Radio for the Agile community. www.agile.fm Welcome to another episode of Agile FM. Today's guest is uh, Jill Greenbaum, not to be specific, Dr. Jill Greenbaum. And uh, Jill is... Um, Uh, has a doctorate in education. She is uh, she has a ton of experience in curriculum design, structural design. Uh, she has made a transition or inclusion. We're going to find out in a, in a second to facilitation, especially into graphic facilitation. And we just recently uh, saw her at Agile NYC in a Zoom facilitated kind of event where we did uh, um, actually some graphic design exercises together in a, in a launch group which was super super successful and uh, we want to talk a little bit about that most importantly also here in the context of this podcast is uh, she's also a member of the Bicablo visual trainer global team and she's the only representative in the United States of that team so uh, that is very unique uh, big country and only one trainer Congratulations. One so far. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I want to talk a little bit about uh, some of those things you worked with, uh, Picablo, um, obviously visual design, but also training in general. You worked with a large, large agile crowd, agile coaches uh, in, in specifically. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about your journey. Um, how you ended up here, right? So from a instructional design perspective, there's a lot of uh, visual design you're focusing on. How did, how did you get to this place where you are right now? And then we talk a little bit about the techniques you're using. Absolutely. So long story short, um, I am an educator by background. So I used to be a New York City public school teacher working with students in special education settings, but I was a teacher, principal, and administrator. And that's what brought me to my doctorate in curriculum design. And so I have an interest in how programs are put together and how to best meet people's needs. And so it really harks back to um, my special education background, I know that people learn best by seeing, hearing, and doing, and total engagement in the process. Mm -hmm. And so in my continuing work in education and then in starting my own consulting firm, which focused on instructional design, training, and facilitation, I wanted to bring visuals into the work that I was doing. And I actually have to credit the American Management Association and the work that I started with them back in 1996. In 1999, I started training their train the trainer program that had gone through a transformation and brought in lots of graphics, you know, the things that we remember, clip art, that kind of thing. And I thought, gosh, it would be great to be able to draw on the charts and have it be more immediate and take in what people are saying and put it up there for them to see. And so that's what began my journey. And I thought, well, who can I learn from? I picked up Millie Sonneman's book called Beyond Words. And she was like, if you can draw circles, squares, and triangles, you can do this work. And I was like, okay, I can do that. Yeah. And so I did that. And then I found Christina Merkley, who's out of British Columbia, Victoria, British Columbia. And I studied with her and continue to study with her because I think there's so much more to learn in the field. I'm always hungry and curious for new ways to do things. I began with her. And actually, in 2012, I was taking her Magic Marker Mastermind. And she said, you know, there's this organization called the International Forum of Visual Practitioners. And she said, they have a conference coming up. And if you have a book, 
you can promote it there. And I'm like, really? That sounds great. And I was coaching people at the time. And I thought, let me make my coaching program into a visual coaching program. And so then that became, and, I'm, and I know you're the one that's going to see this, <laughs> but I'm going to hold it up anyway. Um, my book, which is called How to Major in You and Find the Right College, because my client base was teenagers in the college admissions process. And in fact, the book has lots of words in it. You know, it's your typical book in many respects, but oh my gosh, it's got lots of pictures and it has a series of templates. And so I hand drew, and this is from many years ago, but I hand drew almost a dozen different templates for students to use to gather information about themselves, um, as opposed to using a computer program like Naviance. Naviance is not a bad thing. I just think that students doing their own work around themselves and having the data in front of them to use is way more engaging. Mm -hmm. And so that brought me further on in my journey. Um, I've also done a lot of work in, in the healing arts. And so I do something called tapping or emotional freedom technique. And so I've created a number of books also up on Amazon and BN.com. And so these just have lots of visuals in them for people to see how to do this particular kind of work. Yeah, and so your, that was your transition. I'm sorry to interrupt. That was your transition from no. kids in classroom, right? To adult, uh, to adults. That's sort of yes and. I mean, I certainly did work with kids first, then I moved to AMA and worked more with adults. I still had my passion for teens. My daughter was going through the college admissions process, so that's why I created that program, because I thought it was fun, but it could be better. But then the books that I created, and I have them in a couple different formats, right. are for teens and for parents and for adults. And it's so I'm really interested in learning for everyone, and so that's how it all came together. And so related to that, as we talk about my journey, is also a book that you and I were talking about before, and it's called The World of Visual Facilitation. And this book, if, if you buy the paper copy, and I would suggest getting the downloaded one, it's 2.2 kilos, right? It's almost five pounds. <laughs> and it's more than 50 authors have written more than 80 chapters in this book. And it really runs the gamut from what, um, what it means to start in the field to the various ways in which you can explore and create. And so my particular chapter in this book is called Coaching with Templates. And it gives a variety of ways in which I, as a coach, work with my coaching clients by creating templates for them and for me to use in the process. Right. That's so, right. so that's yeah. a bit of how I got here. Yeah. Wow. This is a, so one thing you mentioned was 2012, right? That was your exposure to, uh, Sharpies and drawing and everything. Uh, we're recording this in August, 2020. Uh, so there's eight years in between. So if somebody listens to this and says like, does this take me eight years to become some? Oh, good question. I love that question. And so actually it's even longer. So I started back in about 2007 by, mm -hmm. with Millie Sonneman's book and then Christina Merkley around 2008 continued to work with her and um, created my own book and self-published through Create Space, no longer in existence, but there, you can still do that kind of work. So that's something to keep in the back of your mind if you have this passion. Um, and I self-published in 2012. And in 2016, fast forward, because I'm going to answer your question. In 2016, I really learned a lot about Bacablo. I had known of their books. Now, Bacablo is actually a made up German word. And it comes from three words, which are builder, carton and block. And those words together essentially mean a, a book of 
pictures, a little pad, like a book that's made up of pictures. And so people know Bicablo books because you can learn to draw from them so quickly and easily. So Bicablo, the Bicablo Academy is in Cologne, Germany. There are approximately 40 trainers that work in country in Germany and are the core team. And they, they work with about 4,000 people a year, but there are about two dozen people like me around the world that, um, that teach folks around the world this fabulous work. And it's the kind of thing, to answer your question, where you can walk in in the morning thinking that you can't draw at all. And people come in and say that. They say, I can't draw. I do stick figures. I, I don't think I can do this thing. And by the end of the day, literally people say, I am an artist, mm -hmm. all right? Because they have shifted their mindset because Bicablo has a simple, not simplistic, a simple structured approach to looking at what you're working with for conceptualizing and for making it recognizable, right? Because we don't need perfectionism. The human brain is so advanced that we can really understand things like a smiley face as a circle, two dots, and a parenthesis laying on its side. You know, that's a smiley face. And we put that together. So um, we get to leave our inner critic at the door. Not that we don't think about how we're doing what we're doing, but we don't criticize. And we know that we can move forward and connect with people very quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is a uh, this is a great technique, and I can only uh, attest to that, right? So you start because we did the um, the Agile NYC session together, right? Uh, right. You start with blank piece of paper, and uh, you will within minutes, and this was really within minutes, we'll start having some form of sketches. By no means perfect, uh, but I think that's what the appeal is to the uh, Agile community, is uh, because you know from an Agile's perspective. The, you know, we're aiming to become better, but perfection is necessarily um, something we're uh, aiming for, right? Uh, against our DNA. So I think that's why the uh, this technique is so uh, so popular among agile coaches. What do they do with these kind of techniques when you work with agile coaches? Oh my gosh, they do all kinds of amazing things. And I will say that agile coaches are um, my biggest fan, so to speak, meaning my largest customer base, because they see the utility of keeping people engaged, illustrating processes. So it might be from conception all the way through to finished product. And what does that process look like for them? How is our team functioning together? Doing a retrospective. I mean, there's just, the sky's the limit really in terms of, I, I would say the only time, and I have done some of these and they're not so much fun actually, the only time that I don't love doing drawing is when you have a panel of people and they're given a question and they go in 50 different directions. It's like herding cats. And it's very hard to come up with a theme or some kind of organizing structure structure for what you're creating because this isn't just drawing it is drawing and thinking so we call it visual thinking or visualization it's creating layout on a page it's having an organization and a content flow so that people understand what they're looking at it's not using um, colors realistically so you can see this and i'll describe it for the folks um, that are listening so behind me i have a template that i've created and it's literally a mountain range with the sun in between two mountains and an arrow moving in that direction and people near that at the bottom moving up the arrow towards the mountain range well the people are red the arrow is orange and the mountains and the sun are shades of yellow all right so we're not using color realistically we're using it to convey content and so it's completely different than being an artist per se not that you can't come to this field from being an artist but it's different you have to be a bunch of things you have to be able to draw to think to order logically and to listen 
-hmm. really well because listening is a skill. Yeah, so uh, probably a lot of people have seen conferences. We have done some of those conferences where we had a graphic recorder. Uh, it's, it's a keynote and somebody is catching live while the keynote is going on. Super popular. Um, people really feel like this is additional learning. Yeah. This technique is much more, right? So how does that fit into, let's say, we already talked about retrospectives, et cetera, right? But in day-to-day, mm -hmm. -day, let's say, maybe even an organization just in channel meetings, uh, how does, how does, who would sketch? How would you do this? How would you bring uh -huh. an external facilitator in if needed? Sure. Uh, so how would you structure something like this to bring somebody in and, and do uh -huh. this effective? Let's yeah. say outside of what, we, what we've seen so many times in a conference, right? Which I think yeah. is super, super cool, but there's much, much more, I think. Totally. That's such a great question because actually I was just talking with a friend of mine who's like, I'd love to see you do this sometime and how that comes together. You just go in and do it, right? I'm like, that is not the best circumstance. The best circumstance is to know what you're coming in for, to have conversations ahead of time. What's the meeting about? How many folks are going to be there? What are some of the key concepts? What are icons or graphics that you're already using in your work? What will resonate for people? Should we do some brainstorming about iconography or symbolary? you know, a visual dictionary that will work for your people. Mm -hmm. And then coming into the meeting and either facilitating that or being the one that records when there's another facilitator. So it really depends on, you know, what your skill set is. Some people, and when I say just, I don't mean it pejoratively, but their work is to be up at the wall and drawing. And there are other people that come in and say, okay, I'm going to be drawing with you, meaning I'm going to take in what you have to say and we're going to organize it and you're going to give me feedback around it and we're going to do this work together. And so there's that kind of thinking in addition to thinking, well, what's the collateral here? What will we be doing with this information afterwards? Is it just for the people in the room, which means we can make up symbols and that's okay because everybody's there, or are we sharing it with the broader world? And what do they know of what we're creating and how do we have to make it different because of that? So there's a lot of thinking and planning that goes into it. So it's not that you can't drop into a meeting, but your best result is going to be planning just like everything, right? Planning makes it better. Wow, so this is uh, this is very interesting here um, in terms of um, the, the design work and everything, right? So sometimes uh, uh, it brings out ambiguity. Just take an example from the keynote before, right? The graphic recording. Um, usually that is one big piece of paper and it starts somewhere and the keynote ends somewhere and then there's this artifact, right? Yeah. Is it typical in meetings and within an organization that these artifacts are being restarted, ripped apart, new start or something like this? Or you, are you following a path? Are you continuing with your work from start to finish? Or how many times? Like, I just want to warm up some, some listeners here to the idea of, hey, you don't have to be perfect, but there's also <clears throat> possibly a redo, right? And uh, Totally. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's such a great question because um, there are so many ways to use this. It can't just be an artifact. I mean, I have a friend and the work that she does, she's also a cartoonist and a beautiful illustrator. And so her work often hangs in the office building, you know, when we were in office buildings, right? <laughs> but it's used in that way as sort of this touch point for people. Remember this event that we had. Um, 
but I was just working last week with a Bacablo class. We did a day one session. Mm -hmm. And so one of the fellows in the class was, he created a drawing and he was kind of happy with it. And he asked for feedback from Jill. That's my colleague in Calgary, two Jills. We do this training together over Zoom with folks. And he asked us both for feedback. And we said, you know, this is a really rich chart that you have here. It has so many parts to it. You have your start and it's, and it's kind of lumpy and the team isn't together. And then you have the path where they go through this transformation and then ultimately they reach this point. And I know you want to have a conversation with the folks around where they are, where they're going, how they're going to get there and all of that. So he said, you might use this as your introductory chart to show people this is the plan and then break out each section of it and create other charts that contain the information that happens in the meeting, the conversations, the discussions, the conflict, the controversy, uh, the decisions that are made. And so he ultimately from one chart was going to have at least four charts as a result of it, because he would zero in on a piece of it and then blow that up big. Mm -hmm. Yes, what's, what's fascinating about this is the, um, I think we've all participated in meetings where somebody would take notes and bullet points on flip charts and <laughs> text, and there's nothing wrong with that in certain meetings yeah. to do this, right? But what I have noticed is, and I have clear evidence of this because we have created posters on our own, you know, and every time there was a graphical, artifact uh was, was sketching going on live recording any kind of graphic recordings going on it increases increases the communication uh yeah. among people and people often listen to something but they actually watch the the graphic recording and mm -hmm. you're absolutely right it turns into an artifact at the end people really like desire to have right so posters right. we ship them in the in the thousands to be honest right people like them right as you had folks that say this is a piece of art here. I want to have this in my in my office. I want this great, you know. Others want uh, as a learning tool, as a facilitation tool. Um, but we don't do it enough, right? In organization, we do see the flip chart with the bullet points quite a bit. So, what do you say to organizations out there? So how can I increase, or how can I help, you know, agile coaches around the world to do more of that? Well, one thing I would say is just because I know that um, that this happens at Agile conferences all the time. I spoke at the Global Gathering last year in Austin, the Scrum Alliance Conference. Mm -hmm. And I did a session with 125 people in the room and they were all drawing and they were all bringing it back to their networks. And so I would say, you probably know somebody that draws, someone, maybe not, you know, maybe not a direct connection, but someone within your group that does. Um, I would also suggest that people look just for inspiration and connection at the uh, Graphic Facilitation Facebook page. There are over, I believe at this point, 14,000 members to it. And the work runs the gamut from people that are brand new and want to learn more about it to people that are accomplished and have been in the field for a very long time. So I think part of it is getting past our own um, fear or concern that we're not going to do it well enough. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I hear a lot of negative self talk. And so part of the introduction that we do at the beginning of the Cablo sessions is giving your inner critic a vacation. Mm -hmm. Right. And it sounds cute, but we really mean it. <laughs> <laughs> or and we really mean it. Right. So I think that is a piece of it. I just I think there's so much opportunity. In fact, this morning I'm taking a course online. We had to write a quick bio of ourselves to introduce ourselves to each other. And I thought, gosh, given my varied background, it would be so much easier if I could just draw this for you. It would be so much more interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, a visual bio is something that's really common for people in our field. 
Like, mm -hmm. how do you explain the fact that, you know, I was an educator and I'm a trainer for the American Management Association. I have my own business and I consult for Bacabal and I do healing work and I run a coaching program. I mean, just all these things. It's so much easier to get the big picture when you can see it. Right. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So that, that's, um, uh, that's a good point here. Um, I want to touch a little bit on um, one thing I have noticed, uh, and it's more like a, a personal uh, thing in, in the workshop we did. Oh, not workshop, but more like an introduction to the technique. Um, I'm sure your workshops go much, much deeper. And people will tell <laughs> you know, exactly, right? Um, one thing I noticed is the speed of drawing, right? So um, let's say there's a conversation uh, going on. You had some really helpful tips and tricks already, right? But uh, one thing you, you know, somebody might be shy getting up in front of people and starting drawing, right? So that's, that's one of the things. And then the conversation within the room is very fast. Let's say this one word leads to another and you're facilitating the conversation. The speed of draw, uh, drawing was, a, for me, was an issue, right? But I'm obviously uh, new to this whole thing, right? And uh, so what kind of advice do you have to folks? It's like, what if, if there is a conversation? I don't want to slow down the conversation with my drawings. Um, and uh, is that something you can train? Is that something you can? Oh, totally. No? Absolutely. So I have a couple of quick answers to that. Quick, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a couple of thoughts about that. Number one is you're going to start slowly because you want to get the technique down. And just like anything else, it will become faster over time if you use conscious practice, right? I am not a believer in practice makes perfect. I am a believer in conscious practice makes progress. Mm -hmm. Right. So we need to be mindful of what we're doing and we need to take every opportunity to practice. You're in a meeting. You're taking notes that way for yourself, maybe not for anybody else. You're watching something on TV. Maybe it's a conversation between two people. So, you know, the topic ahead of time, you know, some of the key ideas ahead of time. You can start to think, well, what do I want to represent money? or loss or scarcity or abundance. So you can start to develop your own visual vocabulary. You can also look to resources that are out there like the Bacablo books and many other books by other places and folks um, that offer up ideas. Um, so there's all of this, you know, a lot of people talk about using TED Talks and I have to say, I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, I think it's a double-edged sword. Some people are great presenters and they tell you, we're going to talk about three points and then they actually do it. And there are other people that say, okay, I've got five points and they get to number three and then there's no four or five. And that actually happened to me at a conference. And I was having a hard enough, it was a conference about the future of technology. I was having a hard enough time understanding what they were talking about, much less this speaker, very well known, prestigious um, news outlet saying we have three points to cover. So I get my three icons up on the chart and she does two out of the three. And I'm like, okay, lesson learned. I will never do that again. So take a post-it note and write down a thought for yourself and pop it on your paper in your book or on the wall and come back to it later when you have time. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's a way to do it. Um, I will also talk about um, a colleague of mine that I know from AMA and he had he saw my drawings years ago and he's like, gosh, I'd really love to learn to do that. I started training in Bacablo. He came to the session, gosh, in Kansas City and he's from the south. Um, he came in the winter time and went through day one. 
in person. We offered day one online. He's like, you know, I'm going to do this again. He came out of it and he said, I learned so much this second time because I was listening differently and mm -hmm. I had some bad habits that I had created and needed to break. Mm -hmm. And so he came to it. He went, then went to day two. And I got to tell you, we warned everybody in day two, you were going to hit the ground running. You need to have been practicing between one and, you know, day one and day two, because one of the first activities is fast drawing. And people were just like, oh my gosh, you're giving us a very short period of time. You're giving us an idea or a concept to draw. And it is super challenging. And it sort of made everybody sit up a little straighter and go, oh man, there was a lot left to learn about this. And so there's that piece also. The other piece in the Cablo is that as people progress and become more advanced, we also talk about um, making things more simplistic and yet still conveying the concept. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. And I can totally see why the Azure community is so connected to you, right? The time boxing, the uh, mm -hmm. short period of time right. um, resonates very well uh, with the community uh, for sure. You just mentioned post-its being dropped yeah. and things like that. So it's all like paper and everything. Well, I want to touch at the end of our podcast and our time here together a little bit on possibly other techniques than uh, paper is. Uh, sure. Is iPad a topic? I see a lot of people behind. Totally. You, right? yeah, yeah. Is iPad a topic? Is iPad something? Oh uh, yeah. Your techniques would would work with. Oh, totally. Absolutely. And people come in with questions a lot because they start to play around with, I have an iPad Pro and I use Procreate. I have not leveraged that to the extent it has such capabilities. It's amazing. Um, but I use my iPad all the time to create templates, to create notes. Um, in my strategy sessions with clients, instead of paper and pen, I do it on my iPad. I have a template that I use and every new client gets a new layer <laughs> and I write the information about them. Um, and so I find, I, I love paper and markers. Um, so I love that and I love the immediacy of it. I find for myself with the iPad that I get a little perfectionistic because you can continuously erase. So it takes me much longer to work on an iPad because I'm much more particular about the work that I do. And that's my thing. I could certainly get over it. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, yes, there are all kinds of things that you can use. I'm also a huge fan of pastels. So I love chalk pastels, um, but I only do that for certain kinds of work when I have the time. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there, there are definitely so many options out there. Awesome. The, uh, the, the iPad, uh, that could be something where you could possibly create your own slide deck or something like that. Oh, absolutely. Totally. Your own slide deck, your templates. I mean, I write, I write visual proposals and I actually got myself funded to go to Tasmania for three weeks mm -hmm. and to teach healing arts work there. Okay. Um, so visual work and breath work. And so, um, yeah, I put in proposals visually. So everything's on, on the screen or the paper that gets printed out for folks. Definitely. And I have this colleague that I was talking about before who took all of his PowerPoint slides and threw them out. Mm -hmm. And he now, meaning the bullet point type of format and now has slides and a workbook for his business or multiple workbooks that are all hand drawn. Wow. So would that be done electronically or would there be a scan of paper or that would be properly electronic, I would assume, right? You know, I'm not, I'm going to have to ask him now. I'm going to say I was doing this podcast and I need to ask you because yeah. when he's been in courses with me, he's done his work on paper. And I know that he's using that in his work, 
but that may be something that he's doing over Zoom and it may be that his workbook is then done electronically. But you could also scan whatever you do. So whatever your pleasure is, you can do it that way. Very cool. So this would be more like a use case for like a educational purpose, online training, make them more engaging. So we see so many applications of this technique. Right? Totally. Uh, it's it's limitless right and uh yeah and i thought this might be interesting for the whole agile community that's why i wanted to have you and thank you for spending some time here with the listeners with me on talking about you know one particular technique and how it could be used in the context of, of agile on the show page on agile fm you can obviously get in touch with uh, uh, jill uh, you can also uh, see her on twitter on uh, it's actually the, the handle is jill greenbaum in one piece right and uh there's also, we're going to make links available to LinkedIn to get in touch with you. We're going to showcase some of the, the book material. Uh, maybe we can get a screenshot of some form of um, visual or something where we can just show a little bit of the technique you're doing. It's fantastic. Absolutely. And obviously, most importantly, if somebody feels like just like me, I can do a triangle, I can do a circle, uh, but how can I put something together? There's workshops you offer and, um, and people can just enroll and they find everything by connecting with you and your technique. Thank you so yes. much. Of course, it was completely my pleasure. And I'm also happy to either share with you or people can be in touch with me about the chapter that mm -hmm. I wrote for the world of visual facilitation because it's called Coaching with Templates. It's a PDF. I'm happy to send it to okay. anyone that's interested. Right. The other one was two and a half pounds or something you mentioned. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. 2.2 kilos. So it's almost two five kilo. pounds. It's super <laughs> heavy. Yes. But uh, it does come as an EPUB book. So you can get it that way too. And it's just, I think what's so wonderful about it is that it's such a great representation of the field and what you can do and what people are doing around the world. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon.